How was Disney, buddy? It was uh, it was wonderful. Nice, it was lovely. It's a nice, uh, you know. It was it was all the things. It was, uh, you know, exhausting and fun and, yeah. you know, uh, always a reminder at as bad as it gets for me and my wife and mm-hmm. kids. There's always someone else at Disney World who's even more frustrated that their kids aren't acting like flawless angels. Oh, that's nice. After spending Disney World money, you know, to go to Disney World. And uh, so it's like yeah. the uh, the appeal of uh, of reality television. Like it's that kind of like. Yeah, it's all the stakes are mm-hmm. heightened, you know, and and everything. And uh, nice. yes, yeah. it was. Uh, it was it was wonderful. Well, I'm glad you had a, a good time there. Um, I'm sorry that you had to suffer through not watching all of the Monte Carlo uh, build up. So yeah, I I uh, I was well. I'll I'll talk about it as we get yeah. into it. I just watched qualifying right now in its entirety. Oh, I'd previously good. seen like the the youtube montage that they put out and i was like following it via you know instagram and whatnot while it was happening but yeah seeing it play out in its entirety and uh just hearing honestly the 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 sky sports voiceover getting like increasingly fever pitch uh it was it was yeah. spectacular really uh really wild oh, i'm stuff. so glad that you got and you know to watch uh, the and, whole thing I mean, and I and I got to give it to Max. It was yeah. a like insane, otherworldly lap. Yeah. So, did you like see any other like F one fans at Disney? I did see, uh, and it was it's interesting actually because uh, we we only went to two theme parks okay. while we were there. We yesterday were at the Magic Kingdom, and I still haven't recovered from the ungodly amount of walking back and forth crisscrossing across that place in the same way that formula one uh, navigates the globe, which is to say in a completely nonsensical order that just maximizes the output of energy. Right. Uh, That's, that's what I was doing uh, for, I don't know, like 15 hours yesterday. And uh, uh, at the magic kingdom, I did not see a lot of, F1 fandom representation. Two days prior uh, was at Disney Hollywood Studios, which I think attracts a slightly older audience. It's where like the Star Wars land and whatnot is. And I saw more people rocking deep cut F1 gear than I've ever seen. I saw, you know, all, all, you know, there's always lots of people with Hamilton stuff, but I saw a guy rocking a a current year a current season lando norris jersey uh i saw a guy rocking all sorts of like circuit of the americas gear very nice and and whatnot and so for me in general uh i would say the most f1 representation that i've ever seen uh at Disney World, which I consider it all times to be like the exact 
cross-section of the United States. And there's many people from all over the world that come to visit yeah. Disney World. But it is, by and large, this, like, <laughs> like it or not, this immediate, like, glance of, like, this is what every different corner of the United States is like, which is why the first time I ever went to Disney World, I was, like, I was shocked. <laughs> I was astounded that there's this many people that operate um, personal motorized yeah. scooters. It's a right? real like racket. That, yeah. like, shocked me to my <laughs> core. That it was, like, like a, a more than single-digit mm -hmm. percentage, you know, of, of the people there were you know, operating uh, Wally like motorized transportation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, good, good to see some F1 in the mix, uh, at, at Disney world. And I just happened to have, uh, luckily, uh, a bit of downtime to myself on Sunday morning. And so I tuned right in and, uh, caught myself some glorious, uh, crown mm -hmm. jewel of the formula one season, Monaco Grand Prix, oh, yeah. baby. And with with that, let's dive into the F1 files. Listen, listen to that tonal shift. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. Uh, so mm -hmm. <laughs> this is our Formula One podcast. We are a couple. Could hear it rattling the the ice in well, my glass. That's what Jurassic a big shift Park it was. style. Uh, uh, that's that's mm -hmm. that's our other podcast. Uh, is, is one of our one of our other podcasts. Jurassic yes, Park Jurassic style. Jurassic Park style. That's the name of the yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> All about the fashions yes. of Jurassic Park and their mm -hmm. related mm -hmm. ephemera. Ah, this is this is this is our our F one podcast though johnny uh let's let's introduce ourselves uh i am Corey willis i am a writer actor improviser out here in los angeles california and this is john lapore i am a creative consultant designing the future for film technology and automotive and so this is a big weekend on the formula one arguably calendar. the biggest we've got the monaco arguably the mm. biggest the monaco grand prix uh maybe at the end of this Let's take a moment just to reflect on like this uh, something that I think is now being talked about every year that the Monaco Grand Prix goes by, which is just sort of like what is the mm -hmm. relevance of the Monaco Grand Prix? Um, but yeah, uh, action-packed weekend. Uh, as as I was mentioning, action-packed for me as well because I missed uh, a good portion of the weekend being uh, uh, running around like a. Uh, a mad psychotic parent at, at Disney world as yeah. you do. Um, but, uh, maybe you can help me fill in some of the gaps that I missed out oh, on yeah. and we can, we can talk about everything that went oh, down. Yeah. So the, the weekend on the whole, I think was uh, a beautiful redemption, kind of like what we were looking forward to, uh, last week when we were talking about how there's this huge buildup with the, the, the calendar mm -hmm. having these two cancellations that have kind of created this weird early season break. And then the thing that we were coming back to is one of the races that is one of the most anticipated, but also lately one of the most processional and one of the most boring. Uh, and 
it's not that it wasn't processional. It's not that it wasn't boring. It's that it was processional. It was boring. But there were other parts of the weekend that really showed up that made us feel as fans. I think that if you're a fan of the sport, you saw this weekend and went, yeah, the Monaco Grand Prix is still relevant. We would still like to see it. It is still this wily experiment of putting (laughs) these massive cars that are completely overpowered and running them at, you know, almost 200 miles an hour, uh, through the streets of a a little principality, uh, uh, around yachts and all that. Like it's nuts. However, it paid off. Uh, the practice sessions were solid. There was quite a bit to be looked at and anticipated because there were upgrades. We had the, the, the Mercedes rollout. So, that happened. Mm-hmm. That was a wonderful hype to uh, to to mega eagerly anticipated. Yeah. So seeing those parts come together, do, yeah. Can, can I ask you point blank? Do you think there was anything that we could take away from Monaco, the place least likely to put your new upgrades, your shiny new upgrades, to good use? Do you think there was anything to take away from? The Mercedes upgrades, or is it waiting until next weekend to really get a sense of what we're I working with? I think that there was a good showing for the upgrades. Uh, if you look at just where the cars placed at the beginning of the weekend, uh, and by that I mean the the qualifying sessions on up through uh, the race mm-hmm. itself, and you look at those results, you would look at this and go, oh yeah, this is pretty par for the course for Mercedes this year. But because Monaco is a very unique race, there's a, a bunch of asterisks around that. Uh, so I think seeing the way that Lewis was able to throw the car around through those uh, through those corners, specifically mm-hmm. the swimming pool section of Monaco, uh, yep. watching him throw the car through those turns, like free practice one. Basically, at the very start, watching how nimble the car looked, looking how much more comfortable he appeared to be throwing those steering inputs in and getting the exact results he was looking for. Uh, he was topping the timesheets, uh, and he just did not complain about the way that the car was behaving at all over the course of the weekend, which was that's the first time that that's happened. Yep. Um, George suffered a little bit. And he struggled throughout the practice sessions and even up into qualifying. But I think that these upgrades as they come online are going to just make that car more predictable. Uh, Ultimately, that's what they're looking for is predictability. And the suspension upgrades were like the thing that were kind of looked at a little bit if you were super nerdy about the technical stuff. Uh, But the side pods were like the big visual thing. and the side pods, sure. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. sorry, just to yeah, yeah, jump yeah, in, yeah. just to touch on. I mean, it is amazing how big of a difference just this factor of being comfortable mm-hmm. in your yep. car is for the performance of the vehicle, for your driver to have uh, both confidence and a connection with a vehicle. And I mean, even just from my own, uh, extremely casual experience, but like the difference between 
driving a car on track that's like a street car that has a normal seat mm. belt and then having that same car with five point harnesses that you can vacuum seal yourself into the yeah. seat with like that immediately changes the way in which you're able to drive the vehicle because you're that much more connected to it. You're not sliding around exactly. in your seat and you just feel that much more one with everything that's going on. And my, my hope is that that's, that's where we're getting to with which Mercedes. Is, that's what it looked like, Johnny. I mean, that's truly throughout practice. That was what I was seeing. And I was like, Oh, this is a good looking Mercedes uh aesthetically yeah wonderful mm -hmm. right side pods sure um with the side impact structure they have like this cool little turning vein that basically works as like a funnel so that air can get sucked into the side pods instead of having these giant swooping side mm -hmm. pods and giant openings they have this like cool little turning vein that they've extended off of the crash structures so mercedes did go about it kind of in their own way uh which is fine. Uh, I mean, I get that they clearly want to make a statement and that's okay as long as the statement is backed up with performance. And that's what it looks like. Uh, yeah. It looks like the car is performing much better. And Lewis just looked more planted in the car and throughout the weekend, his interviews, he seemed much more okay with the progress that he was making. It was more predictable. Uh, even if he still didn't end up getting on the podium. It's fine. It's totally fine. Uh, and he was happy with it. Uh, and I think it's as someone who's a Mercedes fan, I think that this is exactly what they needed. They needed something that was understated that did not show up in a big way to kind of like overplay their hand. And if they had upgrades that worked really, really well at Monaco, I would have been very, mm -hmm. very worried, John. If you have designed a car yeah. to work well at Monaco, it's a very, very good point. You've designed a yeah. car that will not work well at any other circuit. That will not work except anywhere, for yeah. maybe Hungary in like extenuating circumstances, but no other circuit is that kind of circuit. So I'm perfectly happy where they are. And I think the team is. I haven't seen the, the, the debrief of the weekend, but it seems. Like they're much happier with where the car is. Uh, and George is right down the middle. He hasn't said anything super positive. He hasn't said anything negative. So mm -hmm. that to me, again, is like, if George is like towing the line, great. If Lewis is going like, I'm actually feeling pretty good about this. And the rest of the team, like Toto hasn't popped up on Instagram to be like, I'm really happy with where the car, like I, I don't want to hear anything from Toto. <laughs> yeah. Let's, Continue to not hear anything yep. from Toto, please. Uh, so I think going into Spain, we're going to get a much better idea of what that car looks like. And also, speaking of looks, one, we did get to see the floors of all three of those cars. We got to see the Red Bull floor. We got to see the Ferrari floor. And we got to see the Mercedes floor. But more importantly, looks... Some some hot underfloor yeah, action just, all yeah, around. Just the hottest. Just when you just and and isn't that the best when you're not even expecting mm -hmm. to see it when you're not there looking for it and the underfloor just presents yeah. itself to you. It's I like mean, just it's delightful. Like you, it's like you forgot it's your anniversary, 
but you're not getting punished for it. <laughs> like it's that kind of like oh <laughs> um, it's it's nice uh it was very very it was delightful uh and all the cameras were out and watching watching uh Sergio plow into the wall at Sandoval that first turn was like oh it looks like he kind of smacked the wall a little bit and then you see the replays and it's just the back left wheel assembly is just yeah. ragged uh so as soon as that happened i was like we are going to see this car craned over the entirety of the first sector of this race circuit and that is exactly what happened. all right and just in case anyone thinks we're just uh, creeps making bizarre innuendos the we whole are. deal first of all is we that, are you know uh uh, yes, 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 you are correct. Yes. You are absolutely correct. But let me let me give you even more yes. context that you didn't want to know about, which is that, uh, you know, obviously one of the most competitive and and single most important aspects of the engineering of these cars is the aerodynamics. And for several generations now, the aerodynamics of these cars is not about the the uh top side of the car the surfaces that mm-hmm. you see that are painted and covered with sponsor logos i mean it is yeah. about that that is an important part but it is only probably 40% of the aerodynamic contribution to the vehicle maybe even less with the more dominant factor being the floor yeah. the shape of the floor the shape of the underside of yeah, this car yeah not the shape of the floor as we is see it, of, of, but the shape of the floor as like an ant would see it as the car passes over you like that's the important thing that we're talking about it's yeah. imagine sculpting the the hull of mm-hmm. a boat to get through the water in a very particular way these cars have wildly intricate mm-hmm. underfloors and it is perhaps typically the best the most closely guarded in the hyper competitive world of yeah, yeah formula one engineering and so when a crane picks one of these cars up uh there's a whole lot of very unhappy people on those teams that are having some serious hard yeah. work exposed it- part yeah and and then boom they can no longer you know they're 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 gonna have to drop the price for their only fans yeah it's 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 out there so now you just gotta you just gotta be like okay now uh all right i guess we gotta keep track of like where all this proprietary information goes out and what like dark sticky Mm -hmm. corners of the internet it ends up on uh but it's it's definitely it's so great Corey, now Corey, I wouldn't know what to do with one of these floors. No, 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 no. If no. I, I'll, I'll get excited about yeah. it all day long. But if one of these floors was to present itself to me, I wouldn't know the first thing of what to do with it. Did you have any sense, or were there any takeaways that you gathered? Because uh, I know you were pinched to zoom in all, all over these, uh, yeah. all over these images as the new images rolled out. Like I was like scouring uh, the the internet and Twitter just being like Red Bull floor, Red Bull floor, also Mercedes floor and Ferrari floor because signs bend it. uh, Mm -hmm. And he had to get the car lifted up over the swimming pool section into the pit lane. So there were pictures of the underside of the Ferrari. And then the same thing happened with Lewis when he went a little bit squirrely going into, Oh, I can't remember what turn it is, but it was like right before you go into the hairpin, 
uh, he ended up like plowing and getting the car like wedged. That's why they had to crane that car because it got like the tire and wheel assembly got like pinched down between the curb mm-hmm. and the barrier, so they couldn't like roll it off. But Corey, I know, I know that you were you were in it yeah. for that wicked hot pristine adrian newey floor that's the thing that got uh, me it was seeing that floor first of all uh ted kravitz said this in like his like i think maybe post qualifying analysis or part of his notebook he was like yeah the ferrari and mercedes floors look prehistoric compared to the red bull floor and it's so true these the way that red bull has designed their floor is not only more intricate there are like sections of it that people who are like former aerodynamicists who are analyzing it are going, I don't know what, th- I don't know what this is. I don't know what they've done here. Uh, it's clearly making mm-hmm. the car work better, but they've come up with like this weird, like around the plank of the car, they have this like weird semicircle that's kind of like pushed out down and into the floor. So the floor is usually like this concave thing. And they have this little area that is like pushed out in a semicircle that creates like deliberate separations of the vortexes under the car. So there are these two channels that run on either side of the plank that basically accelerate the air to the diffuser. And that's where like you get the car really like hugging the ground when you're trying to put power down. And Red Bull has a semicircle cut out under their car and two like kicked areas that basically when they like, this is what we were talking about with the way that their DRS is way more effective than everyone Mm. else. They basically have figured out a way to break up the vortexes underneath the car when they open up the wing. So it stalls out the, the downforce that's passing over the back of the car, but also stalls out the downforce mm. that is being created by the low pressure area right underneath the rear section of their car. So their rear tires are making the perfect amount of contact. This coupled with the anti-squat suspension, so this is like the way that their suspension doesn't really fully like compress all the way. So it like adds an even more perfect cushion for when they put the power down. So when they're exiting the corners, they're putting perfect power down because of the anti-squat suspension setup. When they're accelerating, Mm. they're getting a ton of downforce from the center of the car. It's basically sucking the middle of the car down. And then once they get to a certain speed, they stall out all that air underneath the car. Or not all the air, but portions of the car are stalled out so that the air Mm. separates under the car and creates this perfect little pocket that like puffs out the suspension and allows it to like perfectly let the tires make contact with the pavement so that they put the perfect amount of power down and have no downforce on the back of the car. Like it's, this is what we were thinking it was doing. And now you can like see specifically where they've created these areas on the underfloor to make that happen. Yet, Other aerodynamicists are like, yeah, we see what they did. It's really, really cool. We couldn't do that. (laughs) Like, that's, you can't, that's not a predictable thing. You can't have the car randomly have the air separate underneath the rear of the car. You can't, like, 
that's how you get cars that just spin out. And quite frankly, that's how you got Sergio Perez not quite making that first turn because he Hmm. isn't used to the suspension the way that Max is. So this anti-dive suspension in the front kind of caught him out. And then he tried to put the power down a little too early because he's really good at accelerating out of the corners versus Max being really good at decelerating mm-hmm. once he gets like into the deepest part of the corner. So he was trying to deploy what Max does, but he can't do what Max does. So that's why his car right. like whipped out and hit the barrier. So it's like, it's not just that the Red Bull is a perfect car. It's that it's a perfect car for Max Verstappen's driving style and his skill level. And that's what we're seeing. That's why mm-hmm. Max is uh, undeniably the best driver on the grid right now. He has the best car, the most skill, and can do what other people can't do with the same equipment. I mean, Lewis was really good with Mercedes, so, but Nico could match him. You know, uh, there's a difference here. Valtteri could match Lewis. Checo cannot match Max. I mean, right. Right, yeah, I, I think I, I'm I'm with you. There's a there's a bigger disparity there. Yes. I wouldn't go so far as to yes. say that, you know. Uh, but, but all right, so but I got to give Max his flowers where he deserves them, which is like he's doing things with that car that no one else could do. He's yeah. All right, so on that note, let's get to qualifying, Ooh. which I think was undeniably the highlight of the yes. weekend and not unusual for Monaco, yeah. right? Uh, uh, Monaco can produce some uninteresting racing, but qualifying can turn into some serious edge of the seat action because uh, the stakes are heightened by a few mm-hmm. factors. You've got a, the fact that you're going to be qualifying for a race where there may not be any passing that's possible. So your qualifying position is unusually critical yes. and important. And then on top of it, you're doing it around this highly technical, slow speed circuit with lots of tight corners and completely zero room for error barriers everywhere, all immediately at the edge of the racing. The only so and to me, that's always just just for like there's this thing, track limits that everyone is aware of. Track limits, track limits, track limits. They've always been an issue. The only yeah. area where track limits are an issue on the Monaco Grand Prix circuit is at the exit of the pit lane. You cannot cross into the exit of the yep. pit lane. That's the only violation of track limits that is not penalized with slamming your car into a wall at like 100 miles an hour. So that's the... that's. Yes. Which to me is and 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 I've been loving this, you know, at Azerbaijan mm-hmm. and and some other street circuits where to me, especially viewing the onboard views, it is absolutely yeah. exhilarating. And and sorry, I'm I'm fresh I'm fresh off of uh literally yesterday I was on the brand new uh Tron oh. roller coaster that they've got at Disney okay. World, which is like it's just it's like it's it's only been running for like a, a couple of months and is it's all about, it's just super, super fast and it's ridiculously uh, smooth and comfortable and just like got me 
like fiending really bad. My mental, my my rental minivan mm-hmm. was driving home from the theme park very yes. quickly after that. It got me just very, very inspired. The the sensation yep. of speed there. Uh so all right. So I mean, like it was here qualifying was all about Q3, yes. right? And and sorry, I'm going to keep talking about this. No, 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 no. This is a little bit more. Uh, I this was is relatable I, content. I, John. I missed. This is the only thing that's like relatable uh, that we we talk about <laughs> are like the references we make to this sport. <laughs> so please, Disney it up. So so I I I missed uh, I missed qualifying mm-hmm. uh, watching it live, and I and I basically just you know I rewatched Q3 uh, at at your insistence. But in real time, I think I was online for like Star Tours <laughs> or something like that with uh, three kids with me who no other parents except for me wanted to, you know, take them on to uh, Star Tours, which is like an automatic vomit machine. Yeah. And uh, and I'm on this line, you know, waiting with them. And I'm just staring at my phone seeing like oh we're like you know uh, on instagram you get like almost like by 10 minute yeah. delay the f1 account will like kind of update what's going on and i saw like okay we're now into q3 and then i've got a a group chat uh like a a, a WeChat thing with a bunch of uh neighborhood dads who are into f1 and it went completely off the hook with like mostly just like obscenities and crazy exclamations and nothing that I could make sense out of, you know, like nothing was like, nobody was like narrating what was happening. It was just all these insane reactions Mm. being, you know, split out. Like I'm talking like curse words where the, the middle letter is typed like 22 times yeah. you know to, to lengthen the the word and and whatnot just uh and i was just like wow this sounds sounds pretty pretty dramatic Corey, what was it like watching this in, in uh, real time? i had to and this is like i'm not this is not a, a joke this is a real thing uh after qualifying i had to make myself some tea with honey uh, because my throat was hoarse <laughs> from screaming in my apartment <laughs> at the television. Uh, it was the, this is this, this was always the promise of Monaco qualifying. This is what we kind mm-hmm. of were denied last year because Perez crashed at the beginning of, uh, not the beginning, right. but like, when they were about to do their final like one shot laps, Perez crashed on yep. the way into the tunnel and it like just caused this nightmare. Red yeah, flag. Just a knock on yeah. effect of this is why all the drama at Red Bull exists was because of qualifying last year at Monaco. So there's yep. a ton of stigma around like intense qualifying. And this is the first time that we've gotten to see it go down to the line at Monaco with the new cars, with these new regulations and unimpeded by the disruption that is starting to happen with the aerodynamic wakes of these cars during the races. Like it's starting to get tricky. 
passing each other and getting like, you know, right up behind each other's bumpers. Uh, there are no bumpers, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, getting on someone's rear wing uh, mm-hmm. and then like waiting until you can make a move. Your tires are getting shredded now because of this like outwash. It's not true in qualifying. It's not true at Monaco. Mm. Bit of a parking lot. It gets a little funky when there are cars kind of queuing up to go on their hot laps and cars are also flying through those crazy tight corners like swimming pool. Um, and that's definitely like adds to the drama. Um, it added to the drama this go around because Ferrari's favored son, mm-hmm. Monaco's baby boy, uh, had uh, a huge mental, like, uh, like maybe the biggest mental checkouts you could have on the F1 calendar. And it's like the unwritten rule of formula one, which is you do not go slow in the tunnel at Monaco. You do not go slow for any Mm -hmm. reason. You especially do not go slow in the tunnel during qualifying. And you most especially do not go slow at the end of Q3 in Monaco in the tunnel. And Charles Leclerc was pissed at himself because he didn't get pole position because Fernando Alonso pipped him for pole position. Nothing he could have done. Fernando Alonso is just that good, and he's in a car that's that good. So it's not that Leclerc did anything wrong, but he started getting mad at himself and like hitting his steering wheel, and he like started just dawdling on the racing line in qualifying. And Lando Norris, who crashed in Q3, like had a big mental mistake of his own. His car was probably not going to make it. Ended up getting the car fixed. They fixed the f***ing McLaren. They fixed it during qualifying. Got him back out. And then he... Yeah, a miracle. Like, truly, they fixed a part of the car. They fixed the front suspension on the car in, like, 12 minutes, which is a job that, under duress, can be done in, like, 20 minutes. And they fixed it during the most heightened scenario you could possibly be in to make that change. Uh, So Mm -hmm. the McLaren people are like high-fiving each other in the garage. Lando's going out. He gets his tires warm. He gets ready to go for one final lap. And there's Charles Leclerc going slow in the tunnel because he's pissed at himself, not because his car is failing. So there was like this moment where Charles Leclerc got a penalty got pushed back to, I think he started sixth because of his own temper tantrum that he threw. He would not have started sixth. He would have started in front of Hamilton. He would have started fourth on the grid, but he threw a temper tantrum. Like, what is it with drivers throwing temper tantrums? (laughs) Like they got to stop this. They got to be adults. They got to come on guys. Uh, Criticize Max for it. I'll criticize Leclerc for it. Like, you can't throw a temper tantrum while you're in the car. You, you, just don't do it. Now, I saw I, I saw a lot of commentary, and this might just be the, you know, we're all predisposed to point the finger at Ferrari. Yeah. Um, and I saw quite a bit of commentary explaining that, like, Hey, they should be letting him know that there's, you know, someone coming up behind him. He should have been alerted. They had all the data to be able to see that and be on top of that and whatnot. But you're saying yeah. it was just, it was Chuck, Chuck. just uh, having a, having a little, having, having a, moment a moment in the one location. 
having a Disney World episode yeah. at Disney World, yeah. you know, at the at his happiest place on earth, still being frustrated that and he uh, ruined yeah. someone else's like uh, yeah. heroic. Because, quite frankly, I mean, well, it's not worth. I mean, the tantrum isn't worth it unless somebody else gets uh, some collateral damage and, out of it. Uh, yeah. So there's like this beautiful moment of oh. uh, of like in the paddock when Charles is like shine uh, signing autographs and Lando like walks past him and they have like a little exchange and then uh, Lando walks away and like flips him off <laughs> and like Charles is like Haha, like laughing about it because mm-hmm. it's like yeah yeah dude you ruined my qualifying that was like clearly the conversation that I was like yep. what was that like you were just like going slow in the tunnel what was that all about and Charles was like hey I'm sorry I'm sorry and then like he moves away and Lando just turns around and flips him off. Uh, and they're, they're friends. Like it was like that kind of like, buddy, come on. Um, yeah. But it was, it was a, a but yeah, that's gotta, that's gotta burn for, for Lando and, and for yeah. McLaren as a whole, who I'm sure without the friendship directly with, with Leclerc uh, have all got to be smoldering I, uh, after putting in the miracle to exactly. fix the car and uh yeah exactly it wouldn't be that big a deal if all the oh, other things yeah. weren't true but you've got all these extra bits of circumstance that make this like an egregious violation and he absolutely should have been penalized with the the grid drop like he deserved that and ultimately he deserved mm. to not end up on the podium again at his home race he could have ended up on the podium he could have beaten Esteban Ocon, who, wow, wow. Yeah, so I mean, so so Ocon uh, was holding provisional yeah. pole near the yeah. very end of Q3, and that alone, I think, was shocking and impressive and, and also speaks to the kind of ground that uh, Alpine have been yep. covering but also uh, to the fact that this is uh, uh, effectively a home yeah. race for for yeah. Ocon, and uh, yeah, he he seemed like he was in his element all yeah. weekend for he's, sure. I like that he he's you know what I I'm not I'm not oh, man. All right, I feel bad about saying this. He's not a discount Daniel Ricardo, but he is. He is the personality that we need towards the pointy end of the grid. We need this kind of like youthful mm-hmm. energy, this like goofy, like calling himself SD Bestie, this thing that people are like, oh, he must really hate that nickname. And he calls mm-hmm. himself SD Bestie while he's getting like interviewed uh, for placing third in what is, like you said, essentially his home race. Uh, yep. For Alpine, a French brand, like a premium. So this is why I think this podium was so critical and so important. One, because Laurent Rossi has been talking so much smack to the team. uh, So it was really helpful for Altmaier to have Mm -hmm. his cars do well this weekend. Gasly, I think, finished sixth on the weekend. So good points for him. Uh, Esteban finished third. It's Alpine, a premium French brand. It's the principal, it's the principality of Monaco, which is like the premium French real estate on the French Riviera. Uh, and it's like you got 
two great drivers, two premium French drivers. So it's just, it was a poetic moment for them to, to have gotten on that uh, podium. And I, I I love it. Um, Don't love that. Lewis wasn't on that podium because obviously, but I think if this wasn't Monaco, he would have gotten by him. That's, uh, that's, yeah i mean hey we'll see we'll see this weekend and i'm i'm hoping that it's there's yeah there's some some pleasant surprises there with mercedes performance in general but all right so monaco quali we see Ocon hit provisional pole then we see leclerc hit provisional pole which is, uh, you know, uh, we already know how that yep. shook out, but temporarily was a thing yep. of beauty. Then Alonzo hits it, and uh, and I'm trying to remember. I think when when Alonzo got it, it was sub a tenth of a second, like it was in the hundredths yeah. of a second uh, that he snatched first place that he hit his purple sector and when you're watching it it's amazing because they've got multiple times up on the screen Mm -hmm. uh across the bottom of the screen they've got three drivers times and you're seeing all of them kind of dance back and forth between hitting purple sectors which is just mind-blowing to see that traded back and forth that quickly in this context absolutely amazing And Max comes out, sets effectively the the last lap out on the the circuit, and it did appear as though the circuit was certainly wearing yeah. in in a really strong way. the The lap times were falling for everybody. It was similar to like but the track evolution that, that we saw at Miami, where rate where times were just dropping. Uh, yeah. And that was kind of what I thought was happening with Ocon. I was like, oh, wow, the track is like really rubbering in. Turns out that was actually Ocon's pace. That was that was not the track being great. Mm-hmm. That was him just being a phenomenal driver on that circuit. Uh, but yeah, but Max came out and oh, wow. Uh, I mean. <sighs> so particularly amazing that max is not setting purple Mm -hmm. sectors he doesn't set it purple in sector one he doesn't set it purple in sector two and in sector three he makes it all up and i think it was in sector before sector three i want to say he was three tenths or let's say 30 hundredths down and by the end of the lap he just barely squeaks it by and it was what it was like eight hundredths almost well he was almost a a tenth up he was like eight eight point nine or so it was like eighty nine hundredths of uh of a second like it was very close but this dude made up almost four tenths of a second an area of the track that you can't make up 
four tenths of a second. Like it's the the fact that he did that is yeah. like it, it's such a and this is like such a hyper specific like bit of like wow Max is truly legendary because he just in in a low speed on a low speed track in yeah. the most technically difficult part of the lap on the lowest speed track of the of the season he he made up more time than you usually make up in like an average to high speed section on like a large circuit uh in a non-technical part of the track like he so basically entering the swimming pool uh the swimming pool complex is where sector three begins so he made up four tenths of a second while going through one of like the gnarliest trickiest to navigate chicanes the thing that took out carlos signs the thing that Mm -hmm. took out charles leclerc uh the the year before like absolutely one of the hardest sections to navigate he made up time and then on the last corner the second to last corner which is rascass uh i was watching a peter windsor breakdown of this and he was like sitting behind one of the pedestrian barriers basically like you can see because there's like a, a a crosswalk that goes across the track right at that last turn and he's like you can see how much skill max has by the angle of his car relative to the angles of every other car entering that section of the track he's going as fast as is possible Mm -hmm. and he's hugging the corner like basically like a full car width closer to the inside of that last corner of that second to last corner than anyone else so again he's putting his car in a position like he took pictures of Max's car there. He takes pictures of Checo's car there and he takes pictures of Alonzo's mm-hmm. car there. And like, you can see how much further out Checo is and you can see how much further out Alonzo is. And it's just like, whoa, Max, you are truly, he's, he's like rotating the car on a spot of the track where you can't really ro- Cause you can't get enough speed to rotate the car properly. So you have to like angle in on the corner. You can't just like, pick a pivot point and rotate the car because the car is going too slow. Not for Max Verstappen. <laughs> he can make the car go faster in a part of the track that no one else can make a car go that fast. And he like giggles about hitting the barrier on the exit of that. And he's like, oh, I think I hit the barrier. It's like, yeah, Max, you just got pole and you're laughing. You're laughing at the absurdity of how good you are. Oh, it's crazy. So, so this is, this is the thing, you know, it's like racing 101 is that you use all the available racing mm-hmm. surface when you're going through a corner. You go all the way to the edge because that's the way you're going to be able to straighten that corner out to be able to maintain as much mm-hmm. speed as possible. And logic would suggest that the fastest way to go around a corner at Monaco is to get as close as you can possibly get to those walls that are at the edge of the track without hitting them. If you could drive with a level of precision to which you could only fit a sheet of paper between your tires and those walls, 
that would be the fastest way around the circuit. And Max Verstappen has rewritten reality to say, actually, you can touch the wall. You have to touch it the most infinitesimal amount because if you touch it any more than that, as many other drivers saw, you'll have the worst possible consequence, which will be your suspension will be damaged. Your lap will be over. Your team will want to kill you. And you know, and you've, and you've embarrassed yourself at Monaco. And what Max has done is found this like new increment of measurement beyond what the other drivers are capable of. And is literally on that qualifying lap. My understanding is that he kissed the wall at the full like G force limit of his car at absolute full capacity at the absolute edge. He kissed the wall three different times. Yeah. How do you even like, how do you without damaging the suspension that kind of like combination? They didn't have to fix the suspension suspension. Like, do do I I mean, it, it all it did was wear down the like, Pirelli yeah. label on the outer edge of the tire. It didn't even damage the the tire or the cover itself. of the tire, which and sits to have like millimeters in recess to the edge of that tire. Like, it, yeah, yeah. He, At, like I don't understand how you have this like insane level of sensitivity mixed with the the gutsiness with somehow i guess the right amount of restraint to keep that all under control i mean absolutely mind-blowing work it's similar to like if uh trader joe's have a a notoriously bad reputation (laughs) for their parking lots they're just so poorly designed it would be this like the equivalent of you driving into a Trader Joe's parking lot at like 60 miles an hour and then perfectly parking in like the the furthest possible spot in that parking lot whilst still traveling at like 60 miles an hour just like cutting every corner mm-hmm. di- like think of how hard you have to like concentrate to like angle a car into the proper parking spot without hitting one of those curbs or another car in a Trader Joe's parking lot. And like, that's, that's every turn at Monaco, but they're doing it at like 160 miles an hour (laughs) with, with cars that can like, can't, are not as robust as your daily driver are not as robust as even like a fancy sports car. They are delicate little flowers, ice flowers that if you touch them the wrong way, they will break. But they're like, yeah, we'll fling this around the circuit at like, yep. you know, almost 200 miles an hour and rub against barriers. There's also another thing like that specific like barrier that goes into the swimming pool complex. Everyone knows. And by everyone, I mean, all the drivers know that the way that that barrier is structured is that there is no post at the corner. So like that barrier can flex a little bit. So it's truly about like rubbing Mm. up against that barrier at the exact right part that flexes the barrier in so that you can cut the corner without actually touching 
the metal support structures that hold the barrier up. So like that's what they're doing when you see them cutting the corner and you're like, wait, but the tire didn't the the barrier was in front of the tire and then it was behind the tire, but like everything's fine. It's like, yeah, yeah. That's because the barrier flexes by about like maybe 10 millimeters. And they know that it flexes at 10 millimeters somewhere between like 18 inches to 24 inches apart on like the part of the circuit where your tires are fried. P.S. Your tires are shot by the end of that lap. Yeah. It's not that you have like fresh, really grippy tires. Yep. It's that your tires are like starting to fall apart because you've been pushing them so hard. It just everything about that. So many factors at yeah. play. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, I highly recommend check out on Twitter. There's an account Formula uh-huh. Addict on Twitter has made this beautiful visualization of uh, both Max and Fernando's laps side by side, or not even side by side, like literally overlaid on top of one another. And it's a great way of seeing how close they are over the course of the lap and how astounding it is that for being very, very close through this whole lap that Max is able to pull such an advantage, like literally on the final three corners of this lap. It doesn't make spectacular stuff. All right. So this (laughs) sends does not make sense. Uh. This, uh, I mean this, yeah, this, uh, Max, uh, I'm not a, I'm not a fan, but, uh, you, you have, you have my respect for that, that lap. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely exceptional. Agreed. All right. So this sends us into Sunday morning, Monaco Grand Prix, crown jewel of mm. formula one and perhaps motorsport as a whole uh i was on the edge of my hotel room bed uh watching it uh all morning and i'll just kind of you know it, to the degree that we just like waxed poetic <laughs> about a single lap for the last 10 yeah. minutes uh i'm gonna say that this this race mm. uh just yeah it was it was it was slightly better than what my incredibly low expectations were set for which is you know i'm expecting it to be a somewhat mindless parade we did have uh in the third act of the race Mm -hmm. rain come Mm -hmm. through that mixed things up a little bit brought in some interesting surprises and some twists uh, not as many as I would have hoped for, but, uh, you know, it, it still made, made some things, uh, a, at least a little more interesting. Corey, how, uh, how did you feel about the, Monaco uh, Grand I thought Prix? it was a pretty good race relative to all the other Monaco Grand Prix that I've watched in the modern era uh, yeah. with these bigger cars. So I think that the race like early on in the race there was some action uh not a whole lot uh but a decent amount of action that was uh pretty inspiring uh and watching Ocon get off the line as quick as he did watching him maintain station uh Lewis was like a little panicked cuz he was on medium tires thinking that that was going to be the wrong tire to start mm-hmm. the race uh turns out it wasn't he was able to almost make a move on signs in the earliest part of that first sector. Uh, and 
I was pretty impressed by that, but it's Monaco, so he couldn't get by. Uh, and then signs running into the back of Esteban Ocon was like, just, it was so stupid. It was one of those moments where mm-hmm. you, like the commentators were like, oh yeah, wow. It looks like signs is like getting pretty tight on the back of Esteban Ocon there through, uh, through the hairpin. Oh, he's like staying on him at the tunnel. Yeah. He probably shouldn't try and pass here. And as they're saying that he tries to pass him and like just shreds his front wing, um, which I immediately thought I was like, well, that signs is race done, but it wasn't because he just kept going. And much to my chagrin, uh, the person behind him was Lewis and Lewis absolutely ran over the remnants of the front wing later on after they started the next lap. So I was a little bit freaked out thinking that that was going to end his race. Uh, Alonzo came back around and also hit the debris. So I was like, Jesus, is this going to end the two people's races who I want to watch the most? Yeah. Uh, Because Carlos got greedy and made a very stupid move. Like that was just a dumb move. Uh, And he's like, Oh, he, he break checked me or whatever. It was like a late, defense and i was like no it wasn't a late defense yeah. you just you were positioned incorrectly and he was ahead of you and taking the corner the way he would take the corner like you can't be mad at someone because you ran into the back of them when they were going into one of the hardest corners on the circuit so like come on bud um mm-hmm. so that was like earlier in the race that had me a little bit excited but then it did kind of turn into the Monaco Grand Prix, and then I went and made myself some food, yep. and <laughs> just kind of like watched it. Still, I continued to watch it, uh, but uh, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it was it was kind of a little bit of a letdown um, until uh, until we got the like, oh, is it going to rain? oh, is it going to rain in like five minutes? And like a bunch of different people's radios were lighting up being like, oh, I think it's going to rain. Oh, no, it's not going to rain. And I started to get real excited because Johnny, Monaco in the rain is, yeah. if the race is already going, let's let's see what happens here, right? So yeah. also we've yeah, got yeah. Max out front and we know that if it rains, we're going to need to get a tire change. And they've kind of been going for a while with those hard tires already. And I was hoping that we were going to get the right call for Alonzo, which didn't happen. Um, but that's okay. That's okay. Uh, I don't know if Alonzo would have been able to win this race anyways. I don't know. Um <sighs> I, I think it's best that we didn't find out and yeah. that we can only we could only blame it on the on the yeah. tire call, which at the time I wasn't no. mad at the no. tire call. Like in the moment, I was like, gutsy move. I like it. Let's see where this goes. And then 90 seconds later, it was like, okay, the weather has turned even worse. And now we all know that that, that, that was, was the wrong a move. bad yeah. move. Uh, so, but I think part of the reason why they went with that was because they were getting really bad data from Lance Stroll, who was playing bumper cars out there on the intermediates. It was... 
like oh, embarrassing. First of all, watching Lance get interviewed on the grid prior to the race, him just having a ball, being real loose and fun and genial with Will Buxton was great. I was like, look at Lance. Where's this guy been? Where's he been for the past few years? And then he had this race and I was like, we're not going to see this Lance. We're not going to see like happy-go-lucky Lance for a while. <laughs> for a while. Like, because you know his dad was like, Flew too close to the sun, yep. Lance, trying to have yep. fun on a Grand Prix yep. weekend. Yeah, so yep. just watching him, like, damage his front wing and then, like, try and get going again and just slam into the other barrier. And then I didn't even realize it, but he retired after that. I was like, oh, wait, is Lance not running anymore? So, yeah, he had to retire and oh. then put... Alonso in the position to be like, I guess I'll just key stay on the slicks. I don't know because the team doesn't have data on the intermediates. Plus, first go round with these wet weather tires and no tire blankets. I'd like to see that rolled back. Uh, I'd like to see that rolled back. I know mm-hmm. we're trying to save money or the planet through tire blankets or something. I don't whatever. Um, but let's let's keep these tire blankets. Because these cars clearly can't handle putting down the power when their tires are not warm. Yeah, and wet weather. T- uh, yeah. Um, I'm I'm with you. I'm 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 with you. I mean, for the record, the planet needs saving for sure. But maybe let's just not. You know, maybe let's not just fly back and forth willy nilly between continents with with no rhyme or reason. Yeah. How about we, that? How about that? You know, are are trying to save? save like you know one laptop charge worth of tire blanket electricity yeah. Yeah. um all right so uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with lance stroll's narrative which i think has his story has been the best it's yeah. ever been or his personal stock has been higher than it's been in his entire career and it seems like after that race it took a hard yeah. u-turn yeah uh and He's back to being, uh, you know, uh, the the Formula One nepo nepo clown baby uh, of the of the grid. So we'll we'll see yeah. we'll see what happens there. I, I'd like to think that he can still turn it around and maybe because he's uh, got the skills. Know, he's maybe Fernando will will help him out. So he does. Somehow. He has the skills. He's here. Yeah, he is here because his dad owns the team. But he also is a good accomplished driver like he's an f2 champion he was like Mm -hmm. racing against george russell in like the feeder series like he was racing against all these really great drivers uh i don't know if he wasn't racing against max at the time i don't think uh or he wasn't really competitive with max but he was racing with like lando and george and carlos like he was in there uh so he's got the skills just really did not show up this weekend really embarrassingly did not show up uh so yeah we were um we 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 had said that this this race was like uh a fine spread of sushi uh which is like good food that you're not used to eating all the time it's quite you know kind of a rarity uh uh as like westerners um and then that that rain showing up was like discovering the little like tin with like wasabi in it towards the end of your meal and you're like hmm what is this i wonder if this this i haven't tried this yet and then it just mm-hmm. completely changes the dynamic of the entire meal where you're like wow this was like a pretty good meal this is 
huh, this is different. Uh, so I think that was great to have <laughs> the rain. <laughs> the rain really. I like the, the extra. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Rain. Uh, just like chaos, though. It was great. It was great to see that. And it was fun watching Carlos sliding sideways. It was fun watching Max sliding sideways. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was fun watching people really really struggle. I saw I saw a clip that I think might not have even been. Uh, you'll have to tell me. I saw this in like uh, some of the highlight mm. reels, and I don't think this was broadcast during the race. Logan Sargent didn't make it around the hairpin. Uh, near the end of the race, he was going through the hairpin and just went like just went too wide at like, you know, four miles per hour and had to like stop his car and I guess let it roll oh. backwards back into the tip yeah. of the hairpin because he didn't, you know, take a tight enough line. Uh, yeah, around. Logan, Logan uh, had kind yeah, of a rough. rough weekend. He had a he had a, a pretty tricky weekend. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. He had a he had a pretty, pretty rough yeah. weekend Both the Williams all around for had rough for weekends. Sure. They were already getting lapped like yeah. 20. I think like Albon may have gotten lapped like 25 laps into the race. I think Verstappen was already passing him. So it was not not a particularly good outing for Williams, but they're notoriously good on tracks that like need like or like don't need downforce and this track needed downforce and they have none of it. So not unexpected. Um Yuki had a good weekend again. Uh good to see Yuki showing up. Had an amazing Loved, loved hearing yes. uh, the the WYKI yep. radio, uh, and and hearing him get on and and flip out about God. his breaks and so uh, and funny, whatnot. so funny. Being like, "Are you trying to crash um, me? Why are you telling me?" And then, like, as soon as they're like, "Yeah, switch up your brake balance. You should be okay." He like goes off, and he's like, "Come on!" It was wonderful. Um, glad he showed up. Glad he was able to 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 show up. Piastri. Points finish again. We got the McLarens with uh, a ninth yep. and tenth yep, yep. Uh, finish. So good on them. Uh, really happy with them. Um, but what else? What else from this weekend? Was there anything else that like really stuck out? Or? One one little thing uh, that one one little thing that caught my attention. And you mentioned this last mm. week. Uh, the race is for the first time in a very long time being broadcast where yeah. the broadcast is controlled and operated by Formula One as opposed to whatever local folks yeah. in Monaco were doing previously. So uh, to me, I, I noticed a, a distinct leveling up in the quality of the broadcast from the, you know, just the the way the shots are yeah. handled, the race direction, the you know, what action they're shot. to follow, and more than anything else. How have they not had a helicopter at Monaco before the helicopter views I mean, of Monaco look so spectacular and put the race and the action in such amazing geographical yes. context to understanding that when you're looking at it, you know, and we've seen shots before where it's like a camera up on an opposite hillside kind of looking yeah. over and whatnot. But when you have the helicopter moving around this hillside and following it, it really puts into perspective how um how like tightly collapsed the design of this yeah. circuit is on itself and and how tightly integrated the elevation it is changes into 
the literal like, watch. Oh, yeah. Like absolutely, they, they always talk wild. about like, yeah. oh wow, yeah, the there's a really unique situation where the pit boxes, uh, the the actual like pit walls don't face the front straight. It's like a super unique situation, and not just with mm. the helicopter shots, but they also have the cable shots that now run up and down that F one setup, and yeah. they basically like utilize either infrastructure or they erect their own infrastructure so that they can have cable cameras that can like do these beautiful sweeping shots of people leaving the pit lane. But with that, there is the swimming pool complex, which is right up against the pit lane. Like you can't tell this without those overhead shots or the cable Mm -hmm. shots. And for the first time you could see like the cable running like backwards down the pit lane because it was tracking a car that was running through the swimming pool complex. And you can see people like frantically running around the pit lane or a car leaving the garage or like a car pulling into its pit box. It just, it created such beautiful dynamic shots that we've been robbed of for the entirety of the Monaco Grand Prix, the running of the Grand Prix, the whole time they've been running. It's an 80 year old race and they've never allowed a helicopter to run over it until this year. That is bananas. And hopefully this does the job of like cementing Monaco as a thing that needs to stay on the calendar. I, I, up, up until this weekend, we, we discussed this. Yeah, does Monaco really deserve its spot? Is it just this perverted experiment of putting giant cars on tiny streets that can't pass? Is it processional? Should it be all about Saturday? Uh, should it be collapsed into a two-day event? All these questions, I think, is like, hey, no, 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 no. Leave it. Leave it exactly as it is. Do not mess with it. Maybe, maybe have one-shot qualifying. Maybe. That would be the only disruption I'd like to see to this format that doesn't touch mm-hmm. the size of the cars. If you want to make a spec car for Monaco, yep. I'm on board for that. But I mean, I feel th- that's my that's my biggest thing is that I, I would like to see Monaco's importance be taken seriously enough that they're factoring it in with the formula yeah. and the specification of the cars just to, just to please get these cars a little bit smaller or a little bit closer yeah. to past uh, generation sizes. Um, you know, I don't know if that's even possible with the safety standards and, and whatnot, but to me that would, that would make a big impact. But I do think that uh, if there was any chance that Monaco was, uh, you know, on death row as a, as a race on the calendar, I think honestly, just the qualifying yeah. on Saturday alone, being as legendary as it was, uh, is a huge stay of yeah. execution for for Monaco, and and I think it'll uh, it'll it'll reverberate through F one fandom for for uh, the next several yeah. years. Folks well, won't forget there was that that particular. There were Saturday. also like every journalist, every person who was commentating on it after it happened were like. I think that was the best qualifying session I've ever seen in my career covering the Monaco Grand Prix. So it's not just that like us as fans who were not there got to see new camera angles and new and interesting things. It was something magical happened on Saturday 
in Formula One, and I really hope that it's treated that way and that, like, no one tries to chase it. I think this is just how it's going to go. I think this is just the way that the qualifying should go uh, at that place. I think that they shouldn't mess with it too much. And, and I mean, is it so... Is it? Is it so wrong that there are, you know, some areas or some weekends where Saturday is more exciting than Sunday? And yes, Sunday is when the points are awarded, but maybe there's instances where we have this like oddball scenario of really genuinely caring about Saturday more than we do on, on Sunday. And I mean, I remember a whole generation of Formula One where that was just the case. It was like, oh no, Formula One is yeah. all about qualifying and then there's going to be no passing during the race, but we get really excited for pit stops. Pit stops are the jam. The whole thing is all about pit stops because that's the only chance that someone's going to be able to yeah. change position is based on how the pit stops go. And yeah, I mean, I, I think it's 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 worth sort of bringing that, that facet and just like as its own style of competition, you know, time trial. Yeah. Right. Like time attack. That is its own. That is its own form. And in some ways, that's the purest test of yeah. ability, you know, as opposed to like passing aggression and, and yeah. whatnot. So, uh, yeah, you, you know, I'm, I'm just going to jump jump ahead a little bit but for me for that reason alone for saturday alone as bizarre it is as it is i do think that for me uh formula one stock went up this this past i think the combination of the camera angles how how are you camera angles and the actual qualifying itself sent the stock through the roof and the anticipation that we've been like all having build up inside of us for uh, a full race weekend and it was the fullest race weekend we've had in a long time uh maybe even a whole season so i i loved i loved what i saw i think that the stock will go up i think that the netflix drama of it all will be very much uh celebrated and played up mm-hmm. eventually um because there was so much that happened at the end of the race with the rain and because of the drama and qualifying uh, Lewis barely making it into qualifying session three, because he kept not quite making it on that first lap. Um, like mm-hmm. the banker laps, just all the drama was great. Um, so yeah, I think the, the stock went up for sure. Uh, well, let's real quick before we sign off, there is one little bit of news that we should have, address here which is our very own Haas F1 team here in the US has kind of soft mm. announced a partnership uh with Alfa Romeo when Alfa Romeo and Sauber sever ties in 2024 so Alfa Romeo will yep. remain as uh, a an entity within F1 I'm not sure if it's going to be a sticker deal or what um but it is certainly going to be partnering with Haas. That is their stated intention uh, from 2024 on. So we'll keep Alfa Romeo. This definitely gussies up Haas. This definitely definitely props them up because Alfa Romeo is a huge racing brand and they'll continue to pour money into Haas even if Gene Haas gets annoyed with the way the F1 team is performing. Even if Gunther Steiner 
becomes the next big reality TV star and leaves F1. I think that Alfa Romeo will right. prop up Haas for as long as they can. Um, so it's yeah. And it's a, it's a fascinating thing. The blending of, you know, this American mm-hmm. team, you know, barely yep. American team, uh, and, uh, and an Italian yeah. brand, uh, and, and also helps cause their uh, but I'm, bases I'm here for are in Italy. Uh, they do operate out of the factory, yep. uh, out of the Ferrari yep. designs, um, complex. So, it's nice that they won't have to like literally travel mm-hmm. to a new country and hire all new staff. It's like, oh no, you're just going to move to this location, right. um, and you'll have different branded kit. <laughs> That's all. And I forget is is Sauber going to yeah. be Audi next season in 2024, or is that it's coming at later? the end of 2024? I believe so. I think Audi uh, doesn't have okay. like actual brand like Sauber Audi. Uh, or Audi Sauber, or however it'll be called. I think that that doesn't come into play until 2024, just like this is, I think, ending in 2023. So maybe there will be like a period of time where, mm-hmm. hmm, I don't know. It's a good question, John. I don't know if this goes all the way through to the end of 2024 or the end of 2023 with Alfa Romeo and Sauber. I don't know. I guess we'll we'll have to do we'll, some research. Uh, we'll, yeah. yeah, it's all brand new. This is we'll we'll this find. It's also out brand soon. new. So. Yeah, I mean, it's also yeah, and I and I I do think at the end of the day, it's it's probably going to mostly just be stickers, yeah. right on the probably. on the car. But uh, interesting, interesting partnership to to see. And yeah, and I think great news yeah. for yeah. Haas Jeez. for sure. Absolutely, we're going to keep a U.S. team in F1, which like is good for everyone yep. here in the U S who's an F1 fan. Uh, cause we will continue to be taken somewhat seriously <laughs> as a fan base. Uh, all right, Johnny, where can these fine folks track you down out there in the world? Uh, you can always find me via my home base, johnnymotion.com. Corey, where can you folks can find, find you? us? on the F1 files on Twitter and TikTok. Uh, and then you can find me personally. I am burn Corey burn on all the social media things. So TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Yeah, I guess uh, we're going to have to catch up with everyone out there next time. And they're going to have to catch up with us the next time after the Spanish Grand Prix on the F1 Files. Mm.